0: So I'm really excited to just lay here and let you tell me a story. I was really upset about it because I was like, oh, shit, it's my turn. I was really wanting to lay down.
1: <laughs> like I was watching My Favorite Murder has been doing theirs via Skype so they can see each other. But like literally like it, they showed a clip of it and it was uh, Karen popping in and be like, I'm ready. And it was literally Georgia laying in the bed with her mic to her face surrounded by blankets. She's like, oh, I should probably sit up. I'm like, girl, I feel you. That's me. <laughs> So, okay. So, uh, nobody attempted to try to answer my hit, and I think it's because nobody's watching, like, watching. Nobody's listening in real time anymore. I feel like the people who listened before and guessed aren't listening right now because they're all stuck at home, mm-hmm. and most people aren't podcasting listening when they're home, so I get it. But mine was uh, really stupid. Oh, boy. To guess this one, you'll have to think outside the box. Don't say it, because I'm, I'm not even going to say it when I go into it. I'm just going to let it get there naturally okay you, you got it right and you seem pretty excited
0: so yeah i'm excited for this one
1: you've mentioned it before but then you're like i think i want to do this eventually and then you're like i know nothing about it and then i was like are you gonna do it and you're like no
0: so i was like well, i guess i will she <laughs> I know. I was like oh i want to cover this and then you were like can i do it i was like yep bye <laughs> do it i don't <laughs> care
1: anytime there's one you're interested in like I could tell like you really want to hear it, but you don't want to do all the work for it. So then I'm like, mm-hmm. you want me to do it? Like, like, what was it that we were talking about the Bryce Kapiski guy, that the random missing one where he, blood on the yeah. And you were like, that'd be a really good one. You should do it. <laughs> and I was
0: like, why me? And you're like, cause I want to hear it. <laughs> no, I was like, I don't know what sort to do. And you were like, do this. And I was like, no, I want to hear that one. <laughs> yeah,
1: and then you told me the same thing, the Delphi murders, the, the girls down the hill. Yeah. And you're like, Ooh, you should do that one too. And I'm like, do you just want to write which ones I should do? Like, <laughs> you want to just make a list of what I should. I mean, I don't mind to, but it's like, you'll find one and, and you're like, well, you do the good research. I'm like, no, just I don't have a life. <laughs> so, but yeah, so this one, I was like, oh, she'll like it. She'll be excited. And it's like, I'm trying to step away from the dark because I've done some really dark ones. And I'm like, let's, you know what? Quarantine is dark enough. Let's, uh. I'm going to do, my next few ones are going to be like, not dark, kind of cold case. We don't know how they died. We don't know much about them. So it's not, it's more conspiracy theories of, of stuff. Yeah. It's more fun. It's not fun. Somebody died. Don't so be real. I'm just saying it's not so dark. It's not like, and then he put an ax to her head while she cried. It's kind of like, we don't know. So it's not, so, it doesn't feel as sad. Yeah. And I picked some older ones so that they're not relevant. Like, you know, you're not like, it's not relatable. So, (sighs) so like my next two are going to be like not sad. And then I'm doing one that's awful. That made me cry for three days. And then I'm going (laughs) to come back from that one with another one. That's not sad. So, you know, I'm gonna keep it mixed. And like, I don't know if you've noticed when I'm doing my murders. Have you noticed I have like every, every murder I do is a different theme. I don't know if you picked up on it. No. My first one was a psycho. My second one was a one-off. My third one was a serial killer. My fourth one was a murdering duo. Uh, And then... I don't even remember who I've covered anymore. (laughs) Was Sylvia after that one? Sylvia... No, that was Leah, right?
0: Yeah, Leah and then Sylvia. She was
1: our our hometown unsolved. And then Sylvia was a torturer. Um, And then this one is a cold case. Um without an identity and my next one will be one with an identity and then the other one's like a massacre and then the, I, I'm like four weeks ahead uh, so I'm like trying to do something different every time because I was like alright I've done a serial killer and I've done a killing team and I've done a one off I'm like now let me do a good cold case and then I want to do a massacre <laughs> <laughs> I just want to I'm trying to keep it different okay okay just I feel like nobody noticed <laughs> it's like nobody noticed. I mean- I'm, I'm changing themes I'm trying to be different every time because I don't want to do just a bunch of serial killers or like a bunch of big ones, you know? Hmm. All right. Sorry, I took a, the, the, the pause in me speaking with me chugging some wine. Okay. All right. You ready? Yes. Okay. Let's go back. Let's go way back. All right. On February 23rd, 1957, a young muskrat hunter went out to check his traps set near a park just north of Philadelphia. As he moved through the bush, he found a small cardboard box lying, discarded on the ground, just like somebody threw it out there. Um, Like they didn't even have time to go to the dump. Just tossed it out into the brush. Curious, because, you know, he's young, he peeks in the box. Inside the box was a naked body of a little boy wrapped in a plaid blanket. Fearing that the police would confiscate his traps because they were illegal, he decided just to leave it there and not tell anybody. And then he went hunting. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what's worse. Like He's like, I don't want them to take my traps. <laughs> um, on February 25th, 1957, so two days later, a college student by the name of Frederick Bonosis was driving down the road near Susquehanna Road when he noticed a rabbit running alongside the highway. The student knew that there were traps in the area because it was well known for that around there, so he stopped to make sure the animal was safe. As he sifted through the underbrush searching for the traps, he came across the same box. Though he, too, feared interaction with the police, so he decided not to tell anyone. Why? He was in the area spying on young girls at the Good Shepherd School, and he's worried that telling the police would make him sound like a pervert. Because you are a pervert. (laughs) So two people. Yeah. Yeah. But so far, (laughs) Sophia. But one was just because he had illegal mustaches. The other one was because he was he was peeping on girls in school uniforms. That's what he was doing. You know,
0: it's it's weirdly common how often people find bodies and don't say a damn thing. Uh Have you you caught up on the uh, dating game killer? No. Okay, never mind.
1: Continue. Like three episodes (laughs) in. I
0: know. I need to. I haven't listened
1: to much since I've been home. Um, so this guy said he didn't tell the police, but the day after he confessed to a priest. You know, so he's like, "Hey, I was checking these chicks out, and I shouldn't have been, and I found a body. So what's worse, I was a peeping tom, or that I found a body?" <laughs> the the priest, priest is
0: in the thing, like, "Ah, uh, holy shit!" <laughs> he's, like,
1: he's like, "God can't help you now, man. Okay, so the priest begged him, "Please go tell the cops, do the right thing." So he did. He finally, days later, decided to go tell the cops. So it was a discarded baby bassinet cardboard box distributed by J.C. Penney, And it was now a makeshift coffin for the little boy. Uh, when they found him, they believed he was about four to six years old. Being that the boy was so young, the police had hoped that it would help identify him quickly because someone somewhere has had to be missing their child. Right. I mean, you, I mean, would, it, you, you would think. think. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, once the body was removed from the box and examined, it became clear that it might not be the case. Dr. Joseph Spellman performed an autopsy on the child and noted the following. So all of this is verbatim um, from the autopsy. So when you hear words that I would never say, this is why. (laughs) It was noted that the boy was scrawny and dirty. His hair was matted and seemed to have been recently cut as clumps of it still hung to the body. The young boy measured at 41 inches and weighed just around 30 pounds. That is so tiny. 30 pounds is nothing and his body was severely malnourished. He was described as having blue eyes with a fair complexion and medium to light brown, crudely cut hair uh, located throughout his body, um, indicating it was cut while deceased and naked, or it was immediately after he died. Um, His nails were noted as being neatly trimmed. He had deep bruises covering most of his body and his face, An expert speculated that due to the cold weather, the child may have been lying there, from two to three days, or up to two two to three weeks. So they have no way of pinpointing how long he'd really been out there because of the cold. So, I don't know, two days to three weeks is pretty long.
0: Um,
1: His esophagus contained a dark brown residue, possibly indicating that he might have vomited shortly before death. The boy was circumcised, but had no vaccination marks, suggesting that he had not been enrolled in public school yet. Cause back then you had to have whatever vaccinations. Um, he had not eaten two to three hours before death. So there was nothing in his stomach that hadn't been digested yet. Spellman also noted that the victim had been the recipient of an eye treatment recently. This was due to the dye that was discovered in the victim's eye that would be used to treat certain eye problems. The doctor mm. also noted that the boy had been a victim of vicious beating. This is pretty much like the darkest it's going to get. Um, so yay. Uh, this is due to the it's amount not of yay. fresh bruising down the left-hand side. Yay, it's not like Sylvia Likens. We don't have to go through that shit again. Yeah. I told Eric just to skip that episode. Like, just don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, like I said, they believed he was the victim of vicious beating. This was due to the amount of fresh bruising down the left-hand side of the child's face and body. Older marks included like an L-shaped scar on his chin, one inch insurg- surgical scar on the left side of his chest, around a regular scar on his left elbow, and a well healed scar on his groin, but it looked like it was a hernia surgery, so nothing sexual happened. It, it's just a normal surgery. And then a scar on his left ankle that resembled a cut-down incision used to expose veins for something as simple as a blood transfusion, which could have also been done during the hernia surgery. The final not- noteworthy detail from the report was that his hands and feet were wrinkled, in- indicating that he was submerged in water for an extended time before he died. Because it- did you know that your fingers don't shrivel after death? Hmm. Because that's a response. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Didn't know that till this.
0: <laughs> Damn. Mm-hmm. Um, so if somebody kills you and pushes
1: you in a lake... If if yeah, if, I mean, if you immediately died, like if you had just died, your body still has re- reactions. But yeah, it's like a couple days later, and they throw you in a pool, you will Yeah, I didn't know that either. It's a response. Um, Doctor Spellman's report put the cause of death as head trauma, possibly caused by a blunt object. So over the next several years, over four hundred thousand flowers were sent out to the Philadelphia area as well as other towns in Pennsylvania. A forensic facial reconstruction was done, and a drawing of a happy young boy was included on all the posters. Flyers were being posted in police stations, post offices, and even included in envelopes with gas bills. But still, no one came forward to claim them, and um, even though there were thousands of leads that were produced, it all came to a dead end. Without the identity of the nameless child, he became known as the
0: boy in the box. That, this is blowing my fucking mind. Why? Because... And you might get into this later. I don't know. I don't want to go ahead of you, but like, this is like a well taken care of kid. No, it's not. This kid had surgery and eye exams and shit.
1: Yeah, but I mean, the recent stuff didn't seem like he was taken care of. He was beaten before death, and somebody
0: I know that. But like before then, it's like this person, like they, somebody's family could afford for them to have like surgery and eye care. Yeah, maybe.
1: And then that's, at one point, they just stopped some, nobody
0: missing? I don't... Ugh. Oh,
1: oh. We'll get into the conspiracy theories that will mention why it made sense he was taken care of and then he wasn't.
0: Um, okay.
1: The crime scene itself led to no answers, and no one was coming forward with anything helpful. So the police decided, let's focus on the box that he, he came in. Let's start there. So it was one of 12 sold by JCPenney store in Upper Derby. So that's... I mean, they only had to track down 12. At the time, they cost $7.50, and they sold from December 3rd, 1956, um, until the last dozen were sold on February 16th, 1957. Records were not kept by the store, who had had all the bassinets at the time, because they had a cash-only policy, because it was, you know, mm. the 50s. Yeah. So, um, but with good police work, all but one were actually traced to the owners. Uh, unfortunately, it was a dead end. All the purchasers' kids
0: were accounted for, so... Yeah, oh, all but one. That one.
1: Yeah, and that this could be that one, but even the boy's fingerprints and footprints came up negative when compared to the national database and local hospital records. He didn't exist. Hmm. Yeah, that's just because, like, anytime you're born, the first thing they do is, is put your little feet print. So they yeah. couldn't find a uh, couldn't find a match. So it's like maybe he well, wasn't the national. So what did was he from somewhere else? We don't know. Um, Hmm. they searched a lot because after the box came up with nothing, they searched a lot, 17 feet from the box. They discovered a man's hat made from Royal blue corduroy with a leather strap and a buckle on the back. Coincidentally or otherwise, it was a beaten path through the weeds and the underbrush led directly to the cap. So Hmm. I don't know if it was just like somebody left it behind on accident. It just happened to be near there. So they said, well, let's go ahead and check it out anyway. So the label inside the blue cap led the police to Robin's Eagle Hat and Cap Company in Philadelphia. Proprietor Hannah Robbins said that it was one of 12, once again, 12, um, that had been made from corduroy remnants at some point prior to May 1956. Robin recalled the particular hat because it had been made without a leather strap, but the purchaser, a blonde man in his late 20s, had returned a few months later to have the strap sewn in. Robbins told the detectives that her customer resembled the photographs that sh- she was shown of the boy in the box, but she had no record of name or address. Hmm. So, so, like, maybe it looked like it could have been the boy's father or something, but it, it once again, it led nowhere. So investigators turned their focus to the, the blanket that was in the box. The blanket had been cut into two separate parts. One measured 33 inches by 76 inches and the other one by 31 by 51 inches. There was also a section of the blanket that was missing. The blanket was sent for analysis by the police. And again, sadly, this didn't give us any results they were hoping for. The faded cheap flannel blanket was he was wrapped in was made in either North Carolina or Quebec. You know, two separate countries. <laughs> um, and it was mass produced and shipped to multiple locations, making it impossible to track down. So this led yeah. nowhere. Eventually, the boy's body was exhumed in 1998 and mitochondrial DNA was extracted from a tooth efforts are currently underway to link this child to a relative by scanning through the database so familiar dna however the mitochondrial dna sequence is too small to produce a conclusive match to anyone another attempt was made in 2000 but once again it was unsuccessful Hmm. so that's literally all we have on him that's it so now all we have left is suspects and theories you know how much i love conspiracy theories Mm -hmm. all right the first and most obvious suspect at the time was Frederick Bonas. You know, the boy who was spying on the girls. Yeah. but He was questioned and he even took a voluntary lie detector test and he passed. So he's out. He was like the first one. The cops are like, it's obviously this dude. Right. But then they're like, no, it wasn't him. Um, the second theory was that he was an airman's kidnapped son. So I'm going to give you a little information about this on October 31st, 1955 in Long Island, New York, Stephen Craig Damon, the son of an airman, was kidnapped from outside of a supermarket. He was just two months shy of the age of three. Stephen Damon fit the age of the boy in the box, since they didn't know his ex- actual age, and he actually shared several, several similarities in appearance. Investigators thought that there was a possibility that the boys was the same person, so he decided they decided to look into it. Police were sent copies of the boy in the box's footprints to be analyzed and compared. The investigators also compared medical records and x-rays of the deceased child. After much testing, no matches were actually found. It was determined that Stephen Damon was not the boy in the box. Stephen Damon's disappearance was actually never solved. So in 2003, the police actually re-examined the case, hoping maybe they made it a mistake. But yeah. unfortunately, the 1960s investigation proved the same thing. Um, and so it was all the wrong conclusion. However, police had one more thing uh, to test to prove for once and for all. This time they had DNA. So police located Stephen Damon's sister who was still alive and through the advances of the DNA technology, the police were able to identify that her DNA did not match the boy in the box at all. So hmm. that theory is out. And till this day, the boy that was kidnapped in 1955 has never been found. Uh, so that's actually still a cold case. Um, so like I said, they proved that he wasn't the kidnapped boy. So now we're going to move on to another one. It's called the foster home theory. In 1960, a medical examiner's office employee named Remington Bristow started his own investigation into the boy in the box. Bristow decided to contact a psychic based out of New Jersey named Florence Sternfield. This doesn't make much sense. but <laughs> <laughs> he, Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna get me a psychic. Because, you know, I, like, I believe in psychics. I just don't think that they ever really help in these kind of cases. Every time you hear it, it's like really vague stuff that you can find on the news. And you're like... Well, I could have done that. But <laughs> Bristow visited the psychic at her home, taking with him two staples from the J.C. Penny box that the boy was found in. Just two staples. And he handed it <laughs> to her. So Florence told Bristow to look for a large house that contained a log cabin on the property. So after searching the Fox Chase area of Bristow, uh, sorry, Fox Chase area, Bristow eventually actually located a house loosely matching the description. The house Bristow had found belonged to Arthur and Catherine Nicoletti. Catherine's daughter, from a previous marriage, Anna Marie, also lived in the home with them. It's important you should remember that. The couple, okay. ran the, house, the couple ran the house as a foster home, taking in young girls and boys from all over the state. They had found at the time that the family had in their care three boys and five girls. The police found nothing suspicious and no reason to suspect the Nicolettis and any involvement in the murder of the boy in the box at that time. Remington Bristow brought the psychic to the site where the boy was discovered. The psychic claimed to have been there, had never been to Philadelphia before, so seeing Florence direct him straight to the foster home made Bristow completely convinced that she was she was right. The following year, in 1961, Nicoletti took the decision to leave the foster care business and move away. So Bristow used the opportunity of the house being for sale to just stake it out. I can't say that I wouldn't have done the same thing, though like yeah i think they murdered somebody and now the house is up for sale I don't like i walk through the whole thing you bet your ass i'm going in there <laughs> he claimed that the home still had the blankets on the clothesline and they bore a striking similarity to the one found in the victim's makeshift coffin Coughed him. coffin oh jesus <laughs> <day. sighs> okay i drank too much Bristow also discovered a bassinet that he believed to be identical to the one sold at J.C. JCPenney and might've been the one they never tracked down. Bristow theorized that, I'm oh, sorry. He was now convinced they murdered this kid based off of very loose evidence, but he's, he's like an armchair detective. This guy just decided one day he was going to solve a murder. Yeah. Bristow theorized that the boy was the son of Arthur and Nicoletti's stepdaughter, Anna Marie. Hmm. So he thought that Anna Marie was trying to hide a kid and it wasn't actually one of the foster children bristol believed the boy's death may have also been a result of an accident that they covered up by just dumping the body police found nothing which could link the boy to the nicolettis they kept telling him you need to stop and that everything was merely (laughs) circumstantial and you need to leave this poor family alone over the years bristol remained adamant that that family were involved in the boy's death so years later, he tried to get the police to reinvestigate them. But the police were done spending time on this theory. They are just wasting time and money. So Bristow even went as far as contacting Arthur and asking him to take a lie detector. The guy said, no, fuck you. <laughs> it's like, who are you? Yeah. Oh, so, my gosh. <laughs> the strange man's calling him, you know, like, would you take a lie detector? He's like, uh, okay, psycho. Um, in 1989, Bristow had new hope. Whilst going over the old police records, he discovered the police had never actually interviewed the doctor that the foster home you had used for the children there. But Brister discovered that the doctor had since died, so he tracked down the doctor's grieving wife. Because, you know, he's... Okay, I get
0: wanting to investigate stuff, but at the point where you're harassing people, he's, you know, no. <laughs> what the um, Is he, So he just got a hair up his ass one day and was like, yeah. I'm gonna solve this shit. Yep. Huh. Yeah, he's essentially
1: us But (laughs) He's more committed We were like, let's solve a murder one day And they were like, yeah, so much work (laughs) Um, so He tracked down the doctor's wife Hoping to find maybe she had some medical records Fortunately He was out of luck The wife explained that She had burned all the files years after When her husband died Why? (laughs) Hmm Yeah, I mean, I get it. Everything that's happening around this is very suspicious, which probably just makes this guy even more crazy about it. Because he's like, how weird is all this? Um, Four years later, in 1993, Bristow himself died. Up until the day he died, Reginald Bristow never doubted that the Foster family had been involved in the accident or death of the boy in the box. All right. In 1998, the investigation into the boy in the box case was reopened. Um, Because remember, this guy died in 1993. So, Detective Tom Augustine was asked to follow up and reinvestigate the foster home lead to see if maybe there was anything into it. Because obviously this Bristow guy was dead set. So, they're like, maybe. So, uh, the detective went to interview Arthur Nicoletti. And do you remember Anna Marie? I said, remember her? That was the stepdaughter? Yeah. So, um, the detective went to interview Arthur and (laughs) Anna Marie. Anna Marie, at this point, was no longer Arthur's stepdaughter. He, she was now his wife. <gasps> yeah. If the shit doesn't get crazier. so this, Her mother had passed away, and she married him almost right after. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, the couple was interviewed by Detective Augustine and several members of the VIDCQ Society. I never thought to even look that up. So... <laughs> Um, during the interview, enough information was given to left left Detective Augustine with the firm belief that the Foster family once again had no involvement in the murder case. They also used DNA later to prove that Anna was not the mom. How the guy thought, maybe, Bristol thought the mom was Anna and she just she tried to hide the body. Yeah. Well, they proved that she wasn't related to him anyway. The investigation into the Nicoletti family was finally deemed close for all, uh, for good and all, whatever, and... They had no further reason to investigate them. So, finally, that's over for them.
0: Now it's
1: weird. Yeah, they're families. Yeah, I don't know. You just you marry your stepdaughter because your
0: wife dies. <laughs> okay. Well, and there's so much circumstantial, like, weirdness. Yeah, yeah.
1: Or huh. it could have been all in Bristow's head. I mean, he could have saw a bassinet. Yeah. And back then, all bassinets probably looked very similar. So, I, I don't know. And then he's like, a blanket that looks kind of like this blanket. Well, I mean, it's a plaid blanket. It's not that hard. I feel like he made more out of it. This one, I'm about to tell you the, the final theory. This one's my favorite. And this one's insane. So, all right. I'm getting adjusted, right? I'm getting ready. Cracking the back real quick. All right, let's get into it. Yeah. <laughs> this one is the story of M. Just the letter M. In 2002, investigators were contacted by an Ohio psychiatrist who had said her client had information that she wished to share. The client had originally told the psychiatrist her story some 13 years ago and earlier 1989, but was unwilling to come forward until now. The client, who had become known as just M, so we'll never hear her name, claimed that the boy's parents, from the boy in the box, had sold him to her mother in 1954 m said that her mother was both physically and sexually abusive towards the boy for over two years oh my god but that would make sense of why he was taken care of and had surgeries and then no longer was taken care of because he, he was with his parent, family and then he was bought
0: well, why would you sell your kid i don't
1: fucking know like <laughs> i'm not saying they were good parents i'm just saying they
0: took him to get surgeries <laughs> but it's just it's so weird because it's like he at least went to the doctor you would think that like i don't know i feel like most like abused and mistreated kids don't like get to go have eye care and
1: but who's stuff. to say he was abused and mistreated before his parents back then things were different they could have been yeah, immigrants. why are you just selling your kid they could have been they could have been immigrants and they came up on hard times and they were like what I mean, back then they used to sell children into like what what they call it, like house care or like you know, like oh indentured God, servants, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying like I know, it's, it's just not crazy. I of it. So yeah, I mean okay. or yeah, like instead of putting your kid up for adoption, you're like let me sell it. I don't know. I'm not these parents. <laughs> like
0: Yeah.
1: Um so, either way, it would make sense. And then also, if the kid was an immigrant, that would make sense why he's not on any record in America. Yeah. And yeah. they didn't have the technology back then to search. So, all right. So, like I said, he was being physically and sexually abused for over two years. Eventually, the abuse peaked and led to the death. M would go on stating that one night, the boy had vomited in the bathtub, which had enraged her mother. In a fit of violent rage, she slammed the boy's head on the floor, and it killed him. Detective Tom Augustine, along with the VIDOCQ Society members, William Kelly and Joseph McGillin decided to pay visit to M who was now in Cincinnati. In a three hour interview with M, she recounted her story. So M was brought up in the lower Marion, a well-off area of Philadelphia and her mother was a librarian and her father was a science teacher. She stated that her mother would frequently subject her to acts of sexual abuse. When M was over 10 years old, she said her mother drove them both to a house. At the house, um, M's mother handed over an envelope in exchange for a frail-looking young boy. She stated that the boy could not speak and was mentally handicapped. The boy was re- called Jonathan by M's mom, though she had no idea if that was actually his real name or not. She stated during the next two years, Jonathan was treated horrifically. He was kept hidden away in the basement and um, a floor drain for a toilet and an empty box among the coal bins as his bed. He wasn't allowed outside and hid away whenever anyone paid a visit. The boy was also beaten and sexually abused by M's mother. And after the murder, M recalled how her mother cut the boy's hair in an attempt to hide his identity. Oh may- shit. Uh huh.
0: There's people so much- know that?
1: I don't, I don't think she knew that. Cause also she mentioned he vomited was that, like a
0: public thing in the news. I, I mean, I think they put out
1: identity, but I don't know if they put out about the hair. Also, yeah. stuff about the vomiting. She said he vomited in the bathtub, and they said that he yeah. looked like he had vomited shortly before death. And he was in a tub, and he was wrinkled when he was found. Yeah, shit! There's a lot, there's a lot going on here. It, it's my favorite theory. Um, uh, he wasn't allowed outside, and he was hit away. The boy was beaten and sexually abused. Um where we recall that he cut her his hair in an attempt to hide the identity so nobody could recognize him. But if he was hidden in a basement, who's going to recognize him? Nobody's seen him before. So, I don't know. Yeah. The pair then wrapped the victim's naked body in an old blanket and put him into the trunk of the car. The mother then drove around looking for a good dumping spot, eventually coming across the Susquehanna Road where he was dropped. A passing car pulled over and a man got out and asked if they were having car trouble. Em and her mother ignored the man making sure to block any view of their license plate. The stranger took this as a hint of like, go fuck off and he left. After the man drove away, Em and her mother removed Jonathan from the car. There was a large cardboard bassinet box that was already outside so they decided to put him into the box. Hmm. The Yeah, which would make sense why when they tracked down the box, everybody's kids were accounted for. Well, I mean, that doesn't mean you didn't just throw the box out. Yeah. Um, so they placed him in the box and drove away. The tale of the passing motorist is one of the most interesting from M's account because it actually matched that of an anonymous witness in 1957. But that bit of information was actually withheld from the public by police. So she wouldn't have known it. But everything M had told the investigators seemed highly plausible. Detective Augustine and his fellow investigators decided to launch an intense follow-up to M's story. Investigators from Philadelphia PD and the VIDOCQ Society and Montgomery County's DA's office spent six months trying to verify her claims. Unfortunately, the police were unable to do so. Investigators weren't able to corroborate any of the allegations made by M. And after looking into M's background they found a history of severe mental illness when they attempted to corroborate her claims with neighbors and friends all of them denied ever seeing a kid in that home
0: well the theory yeah
1: mm-hmm, the theory was eventually dismissed as ridiculous so they never looked into it further but like I, it's just crazy that she knew all these details and the fact that the motorist had put an anonymous tip in and called and said hey you guys found a body well, i had saw these people outside there and mm-hmm. yeah and that wasn't out. So how would she know that?
0: Yeah, and no shit she has mental health issues. She's yeah. had to live with this her whole life and all the abuse. They just let it go. They're
1: just like, all right, she's crazy. That's not fair. Just because she had mental issues doesn't mean that she was lying or making it up. They just assumed that she was insane and that was enough for them. It's awful. Because her story seems so spooky fitting. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. It, it, it accounted for the vomiting, the cutting of the hair, the abuse, um, the pruny fingers. Yeah, the pruny fingers. The fact that nobody knew who he was because he was mm. hidden in a basement. Mhm. Yeah. Just how do we? It.
0: How do we even know about the guy with the traps at the beginning? Did he like come forward later and say that he saw? I, yeah,
1: I I think that's what happened. There wasn't much information about him, but I think like either later he came forward and said what had happened or. They were interviewing people in the area and said, "You know, hey, we did see this boy, and they tracked him down, but he was like a child, so obviously he didn't murder the kid." I mean, so, you never know. <laughs> I, I, I mean, Mary Bell was not murdering people when she was like nine, so. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I guess somehow they somebody saw him, somebody had to, or later in life he came forward when he was older, but.
0: All right, so these cases where it's like kids and nobody knows who they are always freak me out. How do you just? Yeah, how does a kid just never exist?
1: You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, nobody recognizes him. A bunch of these. There was also some other like little theories that I didn't go into because there was really no detail. Like one of them was nobody knew who it was because it was a boy being passed off as a girl, and that's why they up and cut his hair. Um, but why? <laughs> Like, there was nothing to it other than, like, well, maybe it was just speculation. Maybe they were passing him off as a girl because he was kidnapped. And then, you know, they cut his hair to make him look like a boy again because nobody would recognize him as a boy. Or other ones were like, he might have been an immigrant. And then his parents came to America and then dumped him here. um, Which is why he doesn't have a record to match his feet print. Uh, yeah. There's just so much. The M story is the one that I'm like, I feel like this has got to be right. But we'll never know because by now she's dead. So. Yeah. Yeah. But they just discounted her story because she had mental issues. So, like, well, shit, if that's the case, nobody should ever believe anything I say. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) But I'm just saying, like, they just blew her off. So. All right. That shit is crazy. Uh, Yeah, that's an insane one. So we're almost done. This one's not that long. In 1957 the boy was buried in a potter's field next to Mechanicsville and Dunks Ferry Road. The tombstone simply read Heavenly Father, ba- fa- uh, okay, Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father bless this unknown boy. On November 11th, 1998, he was when he was uh, exhumed for the DNA. He was reburied at Ivy Hill Cemetery in Cedarbrook, Philadelphia, which um, had actually donated a large plot to him. The coffin, headstone, and the funeral service were also donated by the son of the man who originally buried him in 1957. So, by then, his Mm -hmm. dad had died, but he thought, if my dad cared enough to donate, then I'm going to donate, which is very sweet. There was a significant public attendance and the media coverage at the reburial. The grave had a large headstone, now bearing the words, America's Unknown Child. City residents keep the grave decorated with flowers and stuffed animals to this day a website has been launched to keep the boys' memory alive and to help try to generate new leads. The website is known as America's Unknown Child. It has now been 63 years, and the police have stated that most likely it's never going to be solved because if it would have been solved, it would have been solved in the first 15 years, and it's getting hard due to the fact that all the witnesses and original investigators have all passed or are passing. The success of familial DNA in the Golden State Killers case has brought back new hope. Um, hoping that maybe this might actually solve the case finally after 63 years. My sources for this were um, America's Hauntings, The Boy in the Box, Wikipedia, TalkMurder.com, TheBoyInTheBox.com, and an article on UnsolvedCaseBook.com called simply The Boy in the Box. And uh, that is the story of The Unknown Boy in the Box. Well, that was awesome. I'm excited because it wasn't that dark. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong, it was dark, but it wasn't like as bad as some of the ones I've done. Like, we didn't have to sit here and listen to somebody be murdered. So that was nice. <laughs> but it was fun. I like conspiracy theories. The the M1 yeah. gets me. So
0: Yeah. Hmm. Yay! That's crazy.
1: I didn't know anything about that one until you're like, Have you ever heard of the boy in the box? And I'm like, Googling now. <laughs> I like that one. Makes me really wasn't sad. There-
0: did you, was there like a podcast on it or I don't know? Yeah, you had asked me about it because I was like
1: listening to this podcast called Unsolved Mysteries and they did a, yeah. a two-part episode on it, um, which is where <clears throat> a lot of the, uh, that's why it's was like, I already I knew about it when I started to research it because I had heard that episode. And that episode, <clears throat> they're the ones who had mentioned like possibly it might have been a boy passed off as a girl. They're the ones where I got that information, but I couldn't find anything, like, when I was researching, so I have no idea where they got it from, so that's why I didn't really go into it. But, yeah, that one was more fun than normal. <laughs> Not to say the other ones were fun, but, yeah, that one was cool. I really like that one. And it's, like, one of my friends, when we had posted a thing once, where like, give us suggestions. My friend was, like, i know this really cool when i did a dissertation on in in college it's called the boy in the box and it's like this huge unsolved and blah 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 and i was like literally i was researching it the moment she sent that to me hmm. and i was like oh my god and she's like what and then i take a screenshot of my computer and she's like holy crap and i was like yeah i'm already doing a bitch <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i was really excited about this one i was really excited about this one i was like this one's cool this one's out there. Now, I'm doing another one that's similar to this one in quite a few weeks, and I cannot wait. Hmm. Yeah, I'm so ex- The other one is, like, I'm so excited to do. I love conspiracy theory ones, like, when they, like, can't solve it, and they just come up with wacky shit, and I'm always here for it. Yeah. So, alright. Are you ready for the light over the stove? I'm ready! Or what we call it in Louisiana? Lanya. Oh my god, I can't with you. It's French for a little something extra. (laughs) Okay, whatever. Alright, let me pull this up. So I was going to do sex toy reviews and then realized it made me uncomfortable reading them because they were really funny, but (laughs) some of them were just... I'm like, you know what? They're not funny if you don't see the product and I'm not going to post the pictures. So I decided (laughs) to to move on and we're just going to do like the most random weird facts you've never heard of and probably never cared to. So, yeah. All right. Ready? Okay. My first one was George Washington. You know the president. Yeah. <laughs> he died in 1979. Oh, no,pe sorry, 17 1979. Holy crap! He lived forever. <laughs> Did you know that? That was the fact. <laughs> like, I didn't even catch he, it the first time you he said lived it. Two hundred years. That was my fact. No, he He's died in <laughs> He died in 1799. The first dinosaur fossil wasn't discovered until 1824, meaning George Washington never knew dinosaurs existed. Weird. Yeah, I didn't even realize it had been that recent that they found them. I'm like, it's hard for me to imagine there was a time before people knew that dinosaurs existed. Hmm. Yeah, I'm like, he'll never know about Jurassic Park. Okay. Okay. Did you know the mountain lion slash or the cougars is the biggest cat species in the world that actually purrs? If a cat can't purr, it roars, but neither no cats can do both. It's one or the other. <gasps> yep. Mountain lions can't roar, but they can purr. They scream. Yeah, but that's not roaring. Yeah. Regular so cat tigers too.
0: can't purr? Nope. Well, hell. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm literally sitting here, like going back to all the Tiger, or yeah, Tiger King episodes, and I'm like, "Did they purr? No, I don't think they did." Carol Baskin
1: kill her <laughs> husband. Yeah, she whacked him. You can't <laughs> tell me that that didn't happen. Oh my god. Okay. Hippopotamus sweat is pink. Nah. Uh huh. <laughs> like. You would never need to know this, but why not, right? I feel like you're making this shit up. You know what? You caught me. I made the whole (laughs) thing up, including the boy in the box. This whole thing has just been a ruse. Shut up. (laughs) Okay. The largest manufacturer of car car tires in the world is Lego. I don't
0: know.
1: Hmm. I don't know. Did you know goats have accents? And if you take two goats from different parts of the world, they won't be able to understand each other. (laughs) What? (laughs) What? Yeah. Okay. I don't know how you Bah differently (laughs) You're just like Bah you know normal American and the other one's like Ole bah (laughs) I don't know Bah bah like wee wee I don't know I don't know but apparently they wouldn't be able To understand or communicate Now I just want to get a goat from every Area of the world with a different dialect Just put them all together
0: (laughs) How are you going to know if they can understand each other Or not
1: Watch their confused faces
0: Oh my gosh
1: <laughs> Okay um, You know how pirates w- wore eye patches? Yeah Did you ever wonder why? No <laughs> I'm sure not every pirate in the world had pink eye That's not what it was So I, it was apparently Pirates wore eye patches so one eye Stayed in the dark and could adapt In case they needed to go below deck For supplies during a battle So they could see in the dark Holy heck. So they didn't have to wait for their eyes to adjust. I'm pretty That's sure that just insane. made insane. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that just makes your eye weak.
0: <laughs> okay. I thought they had either lost their eye or You're, but it was like it was every, just like fashion.
1: Every, pirate, every ship had one pirate with their eye like that. So I'm like I mean it's not ever like not every pirate in the world had like an eye condition. There's no way. <laughs> Like the world's largest gathering of people with conjunctivitis. Like, they're like, are your eyes feeling better? (laughs) Oh, God, oh, God. (laughs) Okay. Um, The act of touching glasses together to do cheers comes from the medieval suspicions of poisoning each other. So you would slam mugs together so that your drink would spill on their drink and their drink would spill on yours to show each other that you either trust each other or to prove that they weren't trying to poison you hmm that makes yeah. sense yeah that one was more like whoa but I mean it's not crazy um Interesting. shaking hands started similar that way it was to you would shake hands to reveal that they weren't hiding weapons up their sleeve huh mm-hmm. did you know snails can sleep up to three years if the weather doesn't suit them what same. the heck yeah same they're like <laughs> it's too cold I'm just gonna go to bed <laughs> Alright, and here's my my last one and probably the most relatable one. Are you ready?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Female dragonflies will fake their own death to avoid males pestering them for sex. Oh, wow. Sorry, I can't fuck you now. I'm dead.
0: <laughs> they I really mean, go
1: at each other. I know, and, that, that, and I've seen them, like, literally attack each other. So it's like, she'll just be like, sorry, I'm dead now, and just fall. And She's like, like, oh, you got me. <laughs> Damn, I was really looking forward to this. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing when human women just go to sleep. Or we fake yeah. it. We're faking we're asleep. We I have a eye. headache. I'm just going to go to
0: sleep. I can't use that. Eric will hand me aspirin. <laughs> He's like, I'll wait 30 minutes for it to kick in. <laughs> Here's aspirin and
1: some wine to use it to swallow it. You'll be feeling fine. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that time that I faked being asleep so he'd turn off Lord of the Rings. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, it was his fault p- for putting on the extended version. Hell, yeah. You p- bet your ass God, I faked falling asleep. movies are so long. We were, like, two hours in, and I was like, this is boring. He's like, well, we haven't gotten to the good part. I'm like, I'm sorry. If it takes two hours to get to the good part, it's not a good movie. <laughs> He's going to listen to this in a few weeks and be pissed. That's his favorite movie. Forever. My my name in his phone was my precious. It drove me nuts. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I pretended to fall asleep so he'd turn it off. (laughs) It worked. He turned it off. And then I was like, oh, is the movie over? I'm up now. Oh, oh, we should watch something else then. (laughs) Yeah. Now he's going to get be like, no, you have to watch it. Damn it. Okay. All right. Um, Do you have a hint for your story? Did you think so?
0: No. And I wanted to do the one that we talked about. But here's my thing. I am working from home and, like, literally strapped to my laptop. And I'm not allowed to leave for 40 hours every week of quarantine. Mm -hmm. So sitting in front of a laptop is a lot for me because I want nothing to do with it. So I'm like afraid to do something too too like in depth because I'm like I'm afraid that I'll be like I'm over it. So I want to try to find something that's not a lot of work. I don't know. Are you going to do that I'm until just... we're done
1: working from home though? <laughs> I don't <laughs> I know. I don't out of
0: ideas. I don't know. Well, I, feel, I, mean... I just I feel so strapped to a laptop that every time that I go to sit in front of another laptop, I'm like ugh. I know how to fix it. Do your research on your desktop. It's still a computer.
1: You're like, if I was there, I'd hit you. Yeah, I know. Well, then you could do, I mean, hell, every time, uh, Karen from my favorite murder doesn't feel like research. She watched an episode of I survive and just writes it down. (laughs) I mean, you could watch a documentary. I'm sure we would all love to hear about how Carol Baskins killed her husband.
0: Uh, You know, I really thought about doing that one at some point, but I'm not sure. I think I I do know what I'm going to do, though. I think, though. Not 100%. Do you want to not give a hint,
1: or do you want to do it and just commit yourself to it right now? Um... mm, mm, mm,
0: mm, mm. Okay. Here's my hint. Yorkshire pudding. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Oh, I'm about yeah, to be really you. annoying with my English accent for the next no. episode, so get your ears ready.
1: Do you remember our old coworker who tried to do one and just made it Australian? She'd be like, "Oh, are yeah. from England, I might." <laughs> <laughs> and she said, "We're sisters from across the pond." <laughs> yeah. <What? laughs> yeah, that's gonna be you. That's gonna be me. You're just gonna have to watch a lot of Harry Potter before to get into the accent and you can be like oh i'm good on. my
0: accent is on check where's my jumper it's on the kettle
1: <laughs> dear i heard a funny joke about okay people in europe somebody says americans will be like i'm american and british will always say well i'm british and somebody's like do they just not know tea exists?" and somebody's like they exist they just hide it from the americans because then we know what happened last time you found our tea
0: Ah, uh, no,
1: that's not funny
0: okay <laughs> Well,
1: and, I mean, hey, if you really don't want to do a lot of research, you can always pick one that has, like, a Netflix documentary
0: on it and just watch it. Nah. I'll do it. I just am... I I don't know. We'll see. Okay. I'm a couple ahead, but I'll tell
1: you, I'm working on one right now. Go away! Okay, hold on. Normally, I try to do, like, a story a week, even though I do a story, like, we tell one once every two weeks, technically. That way, I'm ahead and keep staying ahead but the one I'm working on right now is so much research that I've been working on it for two and a half weeks and I'm still not done. Like I've hmm. been committing 45 minutes a day to it, but there's so much research. And I've, obviously I'm not going to report it all. Cause we'll be on a four hour episode, <laughs> but, but like literally reading so much and I'm like, there's so much shit here. Like, I mean, I'm excited, but I regret it. <laughs> Cause I'm like, I'm not going to stop now <laughs> cause I've done yeah. hours and hours but I'm like, oh, I learned my lesson on these kind of ones. So, <laughs> like I got to pay, like page eight and I'm like, I'm not even halfway through the story. So I went back and like got rid of stuff I'm like nobody cares about the mom. <laughs> like, just get rid of that shit. Nobody cares about the mom. <laughs> I'm like, like, the parents. And I'm like, nope, fuck the parents. Alright, they're gone. And then I was like going through and I was like talking about his mannerisms in high school and I'm like, you know what, fuck it. Nobody cares. I'll just abbreviate all this shit to uh, withdrawn. Done. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I just gotta condense this shit. It's gonna be too much. It's a good one. It's a heavy one, and everyone's gonna like it, but fuck if it's not taking me two weeks to do. <laughs> good thing I'm, I've done ahead, because this one would have put me behind if I chose to do it.
0: I'd be like, we can't record this week, Taylor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Told you I, I, I wish I would have known when I wasn't stuck to a laptop that, like, hey, Like researching and not feeling like you're gonna die is a privilege. (laughs) I'm eight ahead because I'm so excited.
1: That's not gonna happen. That's not gonna happen ever. Me? (laughs) Yeah, you're gonna. Yeah, you'll be like, now that I don't have to be, I'm not gonna. (laughs) Well, I mean, you'll be fine. I have nothing. Shark fretting brings me nothing. (laughs) So I. You gave a hint that no one can do. Um, Jane actually is helping me with this one. Really? That's exciting. Yeah. So does it take place in Nottingham, England? I don't know. Nottingham, England, Yorkshire pudding murder. (laughs) (laughs) Go away. You're not allowed to guess yet. I'm going to send it to you because I think I found one. (laughs) you're gonna be like no is it a pudding marker I don't know I'd have to actually research it um hold on oh shit what is it doing I'm sending it to you now you're gonna be like no and then I'm just gonna move on to the next one
0: uh no did that guy kill somebody with pudding Oh, no, he was just
1: from Yorkshire. Never mind. Okay. There's another one where this guy... Ooh. Oh, my gosh. I hope it's not this one. If you do this one, I'll never listen again. Oh, my gosh.
0: <laughs> what? People are literally just listening to you guessing if I'm doing murders or not. Well, the headline is
1: confusing. Dad gets roasted on Facebook for cooking six-year-old joint, but some love Beefgate saga? I don't know what this means. None of that made sense. What? Okay, well, stop researching. Oh, he cooked somebody into Yorkshire pudding? I know you didn't do this one. (laughs) You didn't do this one because it happened, like, seven days ago. So I know you're not reporting on that shit. Okay, Uh -uh. well... I got nothing. I don't even know what Yorkshire pudding is. So. Oh, it's like... No, I still don't know what it is. <laughs> okay. Well, that will be a weird one. I'm sure. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I think that's it. We, we suck. We're boring. No one loves us anymore.
0: Uh. Like, subscribe. What about on right Instagram? Now.
1: I haven't even checked. We've been gone. We've gone up in ratings, and we keep getting really weird reviews, and it's awesome. <laughs>
0: I'm
1: like, it's not somebody we know, so what are you making? Like, I don't know who these people are. I can't be like, oh, it's my friend. I'm like, oh, these are strangers. That means they are actually listening. Uh, I have an Android,
0: some... so I can't see it.
1: Yeah, look. Even if you if you're you you live with somebody who has an, an iPhone, take it, take it, and don't even. <laughs> You know review and rate us real quick just be cool okay steal it run to the bathroom
0: lock yourself in write a review that so- song
1: from like whatever that show was on Nickelodeon. don't be suspicious don't don't be, suspicious. Don't be <laughs> suspicious just steal it run to the bathroom while you're there you can check and see if they're cheating you know win-win and then uh <laughs> <laughs> and then like review and shit uh Let's end this shit because it's like 9.30 and it's like an hour and a half past my bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. You want to try to do this thing again? <laughs> okay. Alright. one, two, three. Catch, Catch on you on the flip side. side. Let's hope it works. I don't know if it lined up or not. You don't
0: know? Maybe it worked?
1: I don't know. Huh. <gasps> Maybe. There's right there. Look, do you see our voice tones? They match up right there. We might have done it. No, I don't see it. Oh, Oh, yeah. (gasps) That might be it. (laughs) For the first time since quarantine, we actually did our
0: catchphrase. (laughs) All right. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.